Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Jules, nice to be back together, two weeks away from each other. Do you miss me? Can I just stop <laughs> no. a bit? Can you, can you hear wheezing coming from southwest London? Is that the postman delivering flowers, chocolates oh, and cards to your front can we, door? No, let's not go With it being Valentine's there. Day? Is that what's I'd, going on there? I'd managed to forget that it was Valentine's Day. Why are we even going there? I don't know, but talking of chocolates, normally when somebody goes, especially to the Alps, they at least bring back a bar of chocolate for the rest of the team. Where's my Toblerone? I'll tell you what, the team did bring back some chocolate, but they left it on a chair in uh, in the office for a week and I picked it up the other day. It was just leftover ex- Oreo. More exciting week. anecdotes like that on the way as you da, listen da, to da. the Forces Sport podcast. Well, yes, happy, happy Valentine's interu- Day, happy, happy Valentine's Week. Um, more exciting, coming up today we speak to Jamie Miller, someone who is clearly a very high achiever. He started out as a professional rugby player before he joined the military where he eventually became army rugby captain. And in the meantime, just on the side, he also flew an Apache helicopter. It's a lot of fun. It's a great piece of kit. Um, it's a really capable aircraft and it's an amazing, it's an amazing aircraft to fly. It's, you know, it's no, I'm not going to you know, beat around the bush. It's amazing fun. And yeah, I had a great time. I, I had spent three years at the front line and I, we did some great exercises and we did some really good deployments and yeah, I, I had an amazing time. Now, everything about Jamie screams natural leader, but this very modest man thinks it's a learned skill, not a God-given one. I don't think leadership is uh, a sort of natural quality necessarily. I think it is something that you learn. You never finish that apprenticeship, uh, and I think it's you've just got to try and work at it all the time, and, and that's you know an ongoing process. Very impressive individual, Jules. You know him better than me. Um, seems to have the Midas touch, would you say? Well, he does. He's also quite injury prone. So injuries have hampered his career throughout. I'm talking about his playing career. That's pretty much what scuppered his chances of becoming an elite professional rugby player because those chances were limited. You get an injury when you're young and then everybody else sort of goes past you. And by the time you're fit and ready to come back, you're a little bit behind. So the army was always on the back burner, but I think it became a front runner once he realised he wasn't going to be the success that he'd hoped for on the rugby pitch. But he has turned that into being a very successful soldier, as you will find out later on if you keep listening with us. I hope so. Absolutely. I'm a man who didn't have dreams about being a pilot, but became one. And he, I'm sure he did have dreams about running out Twickenham, and he's done that too. So, um, yeah, very, very worthwhile listen if you stay with us here on Forces Sport. Now, Winter Olympics, the bobsleigh gets underway today. Two-man competition involving Nick Leeson for Great Britain and Sham Wayne Stevens will be piloting for Jamaica. The four-man takes place next weekend and that, of course, introduces Royal Marine Taylor Lawrence into the GB setup. So... Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you have already watched a successful bobsleigh event or at least will watch it. Meanwhile, in para bobsleigh, GB's Corey Mapp, a former soldier, of course, he's sitting in the top three in the world after taking home a silver, a fifth and a seventh place at the Parabob World Club in Eagles in Austria. There are two more races to go and they head to San Moritz next.
Moving to Rugby League, the Royal Navy have made it into the fourth round of the Challenge Cup for the first time in their history, beating Premier Conference side York Acorn 22-8. Four great tries and some dogged defence means the Band of Brothers will now take on Batley Bulldogs in a fortnight as they aim even higher. Here's the Navy skipper Ben Taylor after the game. I think folk have been talking all week about us making history and getting into the fourth round first time in Royal Navy sides done that, which is obviously brilliant, but we took that pressure off of Sens and just said if we attack these in defence, get into them and you can't, it's a simple game, it's rugby league and if you keep it simple and uh, scoreboard sticks with you, they were never going to lie down and let us, uh, let us beat them, so I, I do think we were quite ruthless there, just scoring M22-8, so a decent scoring end as well, so... Uh, some celebrating still going on and I'm sure they are still celebrating. Like I said, that match against Batley Bulldogs in a fortnight's time the last weekend in February. Elsewhere in Rugby League, the RAS Alex Barnes has signed for Leeds Rhinos for this season. Another Armed Forces player filling the ranks of Women's Top Flight Rugby League. Now in football, Jules, you were at the first of this year's under-23 inter-services matches as the Army beat the Royal Navy 2-0 in Aldershot. How were the Army looking? Because the RAF, of course, are defending champions, but Army looking strong? Well, it was the first inter-services football fixture for two years. Can you believe it? What have we all been doing in those two <laughs> years? Um, so, yeah, two, two goals. I mean, it wasn't the most attractive game of football. A lot of rust there that the guys had to get out of the system. Um, entertaining fixture. Obviously, the, the army did look comfortable because they were at home. Uh, Lewis Simmons giving them a first-half lead before Aaron Moore bundled home. I don't know if you've seen the clip of Aaron Moore's goal. Again, not pretty. I think at the third chance of asking, he managed to it's in the bundle, net, yes. bundle it into the net. But um, a good win for them. So that sets them up nicely for what will be, it will be a decider, whatever happens this week. Because obviously, if the army win, depending on the result this week, if the army beat the RAF, they will be champions because of that win against the Royal Navy. But after this first victory, I spoke to their head coach, Staff Sergeant Gerwin Griffiths. We're halfway there, effectively, so um, we know we've got a huge game against the RAF and we will not underestimate them. We know they're a great side, that the last time round they, they won the competition, so uh, we'll be looking forward to, to going one better this year and beating them this time. In cross-country, it's been a triumphant year for RAF cross-country as they dominated the Inter-Services Championships on home turf by taking all the individual titles and three of the four team championships. Chloe Richardson won the women's race by 22 seconds, helping the Air Force claim their first team title since 1988. It's been a busy few weeks. Like I ran for England on Sunday and a half marathon, um, so it was all about trying to get my legs like, ready for today. Um, so it has been a crazy few weeks but yeah it was good today a disappointing night for the army rugby senior men in aldershot jewels they went down 20 points to nothing against oxford blues on friday night is this a match they would have normally looked at winning i know they normally play the students every year it would have been a fixture that they would have hoped to have been competitive in and unfortunately they were just not at the races at all it was very disappointing um they it didn't help that the guest as I said, he is quite injury prone, but the guest that we've got uh, for you very shortly, Jamie Miller, got injured early on. Uh, excellent tackle technique. It wasn't that. It was the follow-up. It was when he was being cleared out of the ruck. I think he took a knee to the head or something, but it, it was either his head or his neck. Something wasn't quite right. He tried to carry on, but it wasn't to be. And then they lost their both their second row. So they were on the completely on the back foot for the rest of the match. 
and Oxford ran out easy winners. But there is time for them to put things right. And afterwards, I spoke to their head coach, Captain Mel Roberts. Yeah, sport is, is sport is often one with what's going on between the ears. So you'll be encouraged with the way that they, you know, they did all hands to the pump in the second half. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, it, like, like you alluded to, there it is, a thinking man's game, but sometimes you've literally just got to roll your sleeves up and get on with it, and you've got to go back to a little bit of what everyone calls old school nowadays, and that's just to get ball, retain ball and go forward. Um, and, you know, I think the boys done that. Uh, you know, there was questions asked of them again in the second half defensively, and I think, you know, to a man, the boys stood up, stepped up to the plate and delivered. It's important now to recover because that was a heavy game, like I said, and the knocks will, will, will lay quite heavy, so recover well ready to come back into camp and go again and, and you know we'll, we'll relish a challenge against against Cambridge um, you know the varsity games are always always really good competitive fixtures now of course all these matches Jules building up to the inter-services um, three-way tournament um, which culminates of course at the end of April uh, and the Royal Navy and RAF of course we're looking at Adari now have have matches in there as well but still in rugby union as we've um as we sort of go across to the under-23, it's the UK Armed Forces under-23s. They face tough opposition in Ealing Trailfinders Academy side at the weekend and they lost 59-3. But some good, I think after a couple of years away, some good outings for, for new faces in that side as well. Yeah, of course, they've got a big fixture coming up. They will play the... Uh, varsity students, well, I say the varsity students, the best English students uh, later on in the year at the same time as, as Army Navy takes place. So the under-23s will want to get themselves together for that big fixture. Before we head to our guest, I have got one other piece of news. Do you remember Wonderful. a few years ago at the Army Sports Awards, the rising star was Carenza Bryson, Kay Bryson, from Pentathlon. I well, did see that, yes. Yeah, she's just been crowned the women's champion at the well the women's champion at the british open pentathlon championships down in the west country down in bath yeah so that bodes well she's training to training in medicine so hopefully when she joins the army proper uh, as a doctor uh, she'll also spin those plates uh, with pentathlon which must surely be the most military of of sports (laughs) there ever has been isn't it i mean it wasn't it designed with the front line back in the day where you could where you would where you would take on the opposition with a sword and a horse but wasn't it designed with that in mind absolutely yeah i think um i do remember that name because it's the the year we had her and cat matthews was was up oh. for an award as well there's a lot of k's going on but that's great that you know the military are looking ahead signing people who are already on the gb sort of podium um and keeping them signed up to the military it is a good job to have bfbs the forces station this is forces sport thanks for staying with us i'm kath brazier and over there is julian evans now our guest today we've already mentioned him jamie miller he played in that fixture last week on friday that jules was was at um but as we said he went off injured so we're sending all our best to jamie and the army team especially this close to the inter-services and their all their warm-up matches now jamie has achieved two things that many many people dream of doing running out as captain of your side to a sellout twickenham stadium and becoming an Apache pilot, both incredible accolades. So let's hear how it all came about. Jamie starts by telling us about his early career in professional rugby. So I was quite young, uh, I think 18, maybe 19. Gosh, feels like a long time ago now. Um, And yeah, I had a fairly significant injury in my left foot, which put me out of the game for about nine months. Um, And I, I just found myself in what is a very competitive industry, uh, when you when you take yourselves out at the start of your career for nine months, it's a it's a difficult comeback. And and w- what I found basically is was in that in that time, 
I came back not on the form that I left and as is the nature of the, the beast there are a lot of players coming up behind you who are ready to jump into that position who are on form fit and ready to go and and um, yeah it just kind of essentially the competition got me. I think the club you were with at the time was it was it Bristol? Was it were you down in the West I Country? At, I was at Bath actually. Sorry, you were at Bath. Yeah, Sorry. and then I subsequently I, I limped on to, for <laughs> a uh, lack of a better term. No, I, I I got over my injury and and um, I continued playing professionally for a few more years. Uh, and, and ultimately I got to that decision point at sort of 24, 25 where it was like right if you want a career in the military which was always my ambition um, I had to make that decision now or else I was going to miss that and I was playing championship rugby at the time with Bristol and um, you know I was, a, I was a part of that squad but in my eyes I'd kind of probably achieved all that I was going to achieve as in I'd played at the level I was going to play and, and realistically if I wasn't going to be you know, in the premiership competing at that level then it was time for me to go and do something else. Had you always had a, uh, in mind the career that you, that you chose in the Army, which was Army Air Corps, it's quite rare to no. have somebody go and join that cat badge. No, I think when I, when I thought about joining the Army, I was going to be an infantier. You know, my, my father was an infantier. Um, when you think about playing soldiers as a boy, you think about being an infantier. I guess that's, that's how, you, how I thought about it. So, no, I was very much infantry-minded. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, and then... You know, it was only when I started the selection process to join the army that I looked at some of the options and started to go out on some visits and see different cat badges and what they did. And and I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's fairly attractive. You know, when you go down to, to the Army Aviation Centre at, um, at Middle Wallop and they show you some of the toys they've got to play with, it's it's an attractive proposition. That's interesting though, because so many, you know, you obviously as a as a kid were loving rugby and that's what that's the sort of career you initially chose. But you your dad was an infantier and you sort of saw the army as a as a sort of second career maybe at that point. But so many people who go on to become pilots, whether they're civilian or military, want to be pilots from, and that wasn't you in that case? You hadn't really sort of considered that? No, I hadn't, you know, and I, I think it's a funny story that I, when I was talking through my discussion, well, when I was discussing my options with, with friends and family and joining the Army Air Corps or being an Army pilot was one of the options, um, a lot of the feedback I got was, oh, you won't be able to do that. That's, that'll be too difficult. <laughs> and I've always been up for a challenge. And, um, and I took that Is quite that personally. because they took your IQ into consideration? I think so. <laughs> yeah. They must have done. Um, no, so, yeah, I think that whenever someone tells me I can't do something, I'm slightly more motivated to do it than ever. But uh, I don't think I'm probably what you'd consider a natural aviator. And I think the Army Air Corps is quite unique in that sense because we don't, we are, I mean, the tagline, and it's slightly cringy, but we're soldier first. You know, we are soldiers first and we are pilots second. And um, I think that that is, that is what kind of sets us apart, perhaps, from some of the other um, flying branches of the other services, uh, is that they are aviators first, whereas I very much see myself as a soldier first, and then aviation is something that is a sort of secondary function. Well, look, you are a big guy. The position you play in rugby union is in the back row where those big guys are, so it must be a snug fit for you when you were going through your pilot training. Do you know what it was actually? And I had to do a I had to do a cockpit check uh, right at the start to see if I could fit in all the different aircraft types. Right. And the short answer was I couldn't. Um, I couldn't fit in the Gazelle, so I was unfit Gazelle. Um, and I was right on the borderline all the way through my military career uh, for the weight limit for the Apache because there was a weight limit. And um, yeah, it's ninety six point seven kilos, so I was uh, close to that. <laughs> was there a case then you had to adjust a lifestyle then to? pursue your military career definitely when I when I stopped playing rugby and and I joined the army I'll, I'll never forget I stopped playing at Bristol I had to go and do my aircrew medical as a civilian um, at RAF Cranwell to to tick the boxes to essentially be fit to go and do 
then my army flying grading, which I did as a civilian to see if I was going to be el eligible for selection to the Army Air Corps as a pilot. And, uh, and I had to lose about 12 kilos because I was, I was heavy, way too heavy above the limit. So I had to go on a bit of a crash diet, get myself down to weight. And then, um, yeah, I weighed in at 94 kilos and that was just under the bar. And then, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. But then have, that's something you've had to maintain because you continue to play rugby, you've continued in your day job. How have you, you know, because naturally, like Jules says, playing in the back row and, and being that integral character, and it's all about strength and size, you know. How yeah. have you, I imagine it's a fine balance you've had to tread. Yeah, initially, very, very fine during training. I didn't play a lot of rugby during training, so I had a, about a four-year hiatus where I just didn't play uh, because I, I couldn't afford the time and equally the, the risk of, of getting injured and coming off, off training, out of pilot training. But... Um, so for that period, yes, I did have to manage my weight. Once I got to the front line, there's a bit more pragmatism about what the weight limit means and what the intent of that weight limit is. And, and it, what it boiled down to is that weight limit is an operational weight limit. So I wasn't operationally flying, um, so it, it, it ceased to be an issue. But um, yeah, it's always something that's in the back of my mind. Or when I was flying, certainly was staying close to the bar anyway. Of course, you went on to become an Apache pilot, which is something that a lot of people dream about. So without giving too much away, what is it like being an Apache pilot? It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great piece of kit. Um, it's a really capable aircraft and it's an amazing, it's an amazing aircraft to fly. It's, you know, it's no, I'm not going to you know, beat around the bush. It's amazing fun. Um, the training pipeline as well is incredible. So just the, the Army pilot's course of it, you know, I can't, and I do recommend it highly to anyone that's ever shown any interest in becoming an Army pilot is go and, do the, go and put yourself forward because it's an amazing course. Uh, really well delivered and a lot of fun um, and yeah I had a great time I had spent three years at the front line and I, we did some great exercises and we did some really good deployments and yeah I, and I had an amazing time. In terms of celebrities on the Apache you're not the most famous I think there was a, another lad uh, Harry yeah. Prince Harry of course yeah he definitely brought the headlines to the Apache yeah, force. Did, did your paths ever cross? No, they didn't. No, he was in my regiment. He served at three regiment, um, but he uh, no, he was he was long gone before I got there. We we know that in army rugby sense, it's it is a full time job being the army rugby captain, yeah. as well as maintaining your job. So, what are the challenges? But, but do you also think that that personality that drove you to be a pilot, drove you to be, you know, a, a, an elite rugby player, has helped in that as well? Do you know what I think? I can't. I can't actually take that much credit for it, I don't think. I think I have to give all of the credit to what I've been able to achieve whilst at Frontline, because my, my Army rugby career started at the Frontline um, when, when I was at uh, Three Regiment. It's down to my chain of command, really, and they've always been unbelievable and incredibly supportive and have given me the flex to, to do what I do. Uh, and, and that's really what it, what it comes down to. If I'd had a chain of command that was less supportive, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be chatting to you, and I wouldn't have achieved what, I've, what I have. So it really comes down to those individuals, um, those leaders, and, and being good leaders, essentially, because I think playing sport um, is so integral to, to what the Army is about, and what the service is about, not just the Army, but the RAF and the, and the Royal Navy as well. And, and I think the challenge is for the chain of command to honour that. The sport of rugby union is right at the heart of the military community. What is it about rugby that, that lends itself so well to, to being a serviceman or woman? I think there's, and this is in no way unique to rugby, and I think there's a lot of crossover between lots of different sports, certainly, especially with team sports, but there are so many direct um, values that you can pull straight out of 
out of rugby union and apply to being a good soldier. Um, you know, teamwork's an obvious one. Courage, discipline. Um, you know, I, think, I even think there's a sense of morality in in being a, a good sports person in general. Uh, and those all those all transfer direct communication. You know, there's so many. I, I, you know, we could list, sit and list them all day, but they are direct crossovers into being a good soldier. Um, and I think that's why rugby is such a good service sport in that sense is that it develops all those good things that we want in our soldiers. But do you think you learned to be a good leader through being a pilot or through being army rugby captain or through your personality or do you think you came to it as a leader and put that into all the jobs that you've done? So I think I don't think leadership is, is uh, uh, a sort of natural quality necessarily. I think it is something that you learn. Um, I think that I've been very fortunate before I went to Sandhurst and went on my, my official leadership, um, you know, apprenticeship if you like, to have played rugby my whole life and, and been surrounded by what I think are quality leaders that, again, because of those, those crossovers I've already mentioned between rugby and the military, made it really easy to be a good, in my, hopefully, a good military leader because I'd kind of grown up in that environment. So um, you then compound that with going through you know, a leadership course at Sanders, which is the best in the world. Uh, and then, you know, then having time at the front line to sort of develop that and, and, um, and sort of, you know, practice that, I guess, at the front line is, is it's all a journey. And I'm still, I'm still learning all the time. You know, I'm still, um, you know, learning lessons about how I can be a better leader from these guys sometimes, sometimes from, you know, the management. And you never, you never finish that apprenticeship. Uh, and I think it's, you've just got to try and work at it all the time. And, and that's, you know, an ongoing process. Really, really good stuff from, from Jamie there. And he goes on to talk about the Twickenham experience, which I think we can safely say sounds as good as we all imagine it to be. If you want to hear more, then please visit the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube, where you can hear and see the entire half-hour conversation with Jamie in all its technicolour glory. Yeah, one thing we didn't cover there was we asked him the question, you know, who was the best player or the most memorable player player that you'd ever played with or against and I wasn't expecting the answer that he gave I'll give you a clue it's a former all black but I urge you to go and check out Jamie's interview um, that's in incredible weekend. yeah definitely we'll leave that one out there Jules so that um, entice people in to listen or see the full interview as I say go to the BFBS sports show channel on YouTube now something that is on our screens constantly at the moment, the Winter Olympics. It's that time of every four years where you get addicted to curling. I mean, I am. <laughs> what What have you been watching, Jules? Well, I feel bad because I've not You're really... You're not watching it. I've not really got into it this year. And I sort of think that perhaps curling needs an upgrade. So perhaps, perhaps if Rocket there was... shoes? No, no. Although that is a good answer. Okay, I shall make that list that as well. Rocket shoes, no, but you know when they're you know they're they're rubbing the ice. Maybe if it was to reveal something, <laughs> like I don't a know what, Oh yeah, some you know a picture underneath the ice, and so grad, gradually as they're they're polishing the ice, something reveals. So you get extra points for that. Or maybe if there was, and you know, if, if this is just how my imagination works, if there was a little bit of um, a, a picture of something. You know, a naked person, and you had to get the stones to cover up the. Have you been playing with your pens again? The revealing yeah, I have, pens. <laughs> I have. I have been to a, a, a cheeky seaside 
resort and picked up one of those pens. If you tip it up one way, you, you get one image, and if you tip it the other way, the, the image comes up. I don't know. No, I have. I've, I've absolutely uh, appreciate the athleticism and the competition that's been going on. It's not been a success for Great Britain. Maybe not that's yet, why my no. mind has wandered. Yes. But it's all going to change with the bobsleigh. Yes, exactly. Let's forget about skeleton. Let's move on to bobsleigh. And I'm so, I'm almost too hopeful, I think. I'm too full of expectation for these guys. But um, what a week it's going to be. Um, Super Bowl. I know we've got a lot of listeners. I know we've got a lot of fans of Army, um, Army? American football out there. I'm getting confused with my uh, with my places now. But yes, the Super Bowl happened overnight and it sounded like very fitting for a California-based team, the Rams, who won it 23-20 in the last minute of the game. Hollywood ending, as they would say. Well, at Cooper Cup, he sounds like the trophy, doesn't he? But um, <laughs> we've got somebody here who, uh, one of our fellow uh, Hal Stewart. Hal Stewart. He's, now, this is what I don't understand. Hal is from Yorkshire, so he should instinctively love cricket and love rugby, both union and league. He doesn't. He likes American sport. Well, he does support Sheffield United, but he loves the American sports. He's besotted with with uh, a Super Bowl or you know, uh, American, American football. American football, the NFL generally, yes. And, and baseball. Takes which... all sorts, Jules. You, you seem to get angry about it every time. As if I'm, not ang- I'm not angry. I'm just, Bring suspic- him round to I'm just suspicious <laughs> of him. Hal, Hal is a suspicious character. We'll have him on one day. He's too busy at the moment, of course. Um, and we can't, we can't not talk about the Six Nations because Mr. Wales fan over there, what a game. Gee, I was really impressed by Darcy Graham. I know he plays for Scotland, but he's this compact little winger and he managed to bulldoze his way for the try. I thought that Scotland were were going to do... I'm not saying that they haven't done well. I thought that they would be in contention of the elusive Grand Slam, but Wales pulled it out of the bag, didn't they? Which thankfully means that the wooden spoon is is parked up for another year. So I'm really delighted about that. Fantastic performance. Great leadership by Dan Bigger. Uh, really... The the big deciding game was was in Paris, wasn't it? Of Between course, Ireland yes. and France, that was where the tournament, in terms of Grand Slams, was going to be won and lost. And I think it's now France's competition to lose, not as to Matt lose Dawson, Paris. But, uh, to, as Matt Dawson says in his column this morning, yes, in, it's France's game. I think he's just, I think he's, um, I think he's just putting pressure on France because we like to see. France under pressure sometimes don't do so well, but um, obviously the last game will be England against France, but. Probably not the decider, given that England have already lost one. And another one of those players that gets you really excited is Marcus Smith. Um, Yes, Whatever nation you're from, if you just love rugby and sport in general, Marcus Smith, he always makes you stand on the... or sit up, really, on... uh, Just the way he plays, the way he reads the game. He's a great player to watch. Really great player. Not so good for our armed forces players, two of them being Mm. red-carded this weekend, Rocco and Siva. For Bristol and Bath, respectively. I yeah. don't think Rocco's ever been sent off before, has he? Uh, well, I don't know. But these days, the rule changes. You've got to look after your opponent's head area. And it was uh, shoulder to the head. Wouldn't have been done maliciously. So he had to go for that. And the same with Nalago down at Bristol. You know, high high shot. Off you go, I'm afraid. So, um, so not a good weekend for, for Army Rugby. <laughs> no. Two of their stars uh, sent off. And... Um, and the, and the senior side losing to Oxford students. Absolutely. Well, look, um, we're looking ahead. Now, Jules, have you ever wondered what a night of boxing would look like on board Britain's biggest warship? Because 
No wonder, you don't need to wonder anymore. We will be there Thursday night. We'll be bringing you live coverage from HMS Queen Elizabeth on the Forces News Facebook page. And the action kicks off at 7.45 UK time on Thursday, the 17th of February. That's this coming Thursday, of course. It's the first ever boxing night on the warship and there'll be competitors from across the military involved as boxers prepare for the inter-services. Can I just just inquire, the ship is docked, isn't it? We're not out at sea just to add a little bit of jeopardy to the boxers. I think it's docked when we get on. God knows where we'll end up, but it could be um, a party at sea for us on Thursday night. I have a haircut on Friday, so I'm keen to get back. Yeah, Friday morning, yeah. Uh, football, um, inter-services under 23, the second week this week sees the Royal Navy host the RAF in Portsmouth on Wednesday. The Royal Navy, of course, looking for a win at home after losing 2-0 to the Army in the opening game, as we already mentioned, but the RAF are defending champions, so it'll be a tough lineup. And the RAF rugby men, they play the British police this week. Kyle Dixon will be at that match. And the Royal Navy are taking on the students of Cambridge, also coming this Wednesday. That's it for today. You can keep up with all that's happening. Just go to forces.net for the latest results and action. But that's it from us here at Forces Sport. We'd love to hear from you. So you can get in touch by emailing us at forcesport at bfbs.com. We have had a few emails coming in sort of highlighting sports that we should be covering, highlighting activities. Is, is any of them naked, wanna... naked curling? Was that one? No. No, a hologram time. revealing curling. But you could set that up, Jules. You know, I'm sure there's somewhere in Aldershot or Fleet that um, an ice rink that would host you. We'll we'll put that idea on ice. Thanks to our producer, Jamie. Did you get him a bar of Toblerone? No. (laughs) Sorry, I'm such a failure. I feel like I should just get one now. It doesn't feel the same if I'm just going to buy it from Tesco and not from from France itself. But don't forget, you can have a look back at all the chats with our military guests on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. And of course, you can listen back to all the weekly Forces Sport programmes at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Jules, I hope you're treating Mrs Evans to a Valentine's Day night morning if you do stop at a supermarket can you get two bars of toberone <laughs> and some flowers yeah i'm gonna go home now and you know get through the uh, reams and reams of um, letters and cards and flowers and chocolates at my front door of course thank you for listening happy valentine's week let's make it all week we'll see you next week thank you jules um have a good week <laughs>